Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig with details. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, fellow Ridiculous Historians. My name is Ben. My co-host, Noel, who usually fills in here with me, is on adventures. However, never fear, because we have our returning special guest with us here today, Christopher Hasiotis. Thanks again for saving the show. Good afternoon, or good evening, or good morning. Um, I really have no idea what time it is. We're here in the studio. There's I, a fake sun outside, a fake moon. I, 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 I think that maybe actually that's just Casey's face shining in, beaming in a uh, rays of goodness. The radiant face of super producer Casey Pegram. Thank you, Casey. We need your light for this episode because things are about to get very, very dark. Yeah, Ben, let me set the stage for you. It's a gloomy evening. You're in the northern, northern reaches of Europe. The sun doesn't get too high. The clouds get low. The light even lower. You're sitting by the water. By a fjord, maybe, because you're in Norway. And just in the distance, you start to see a shadow coming. It's moving. It's on the water. It's listing from side to side. It's a ship. It's a dark ship. It's a big ship. But there's something different about this ship. The sails are slightly tattered. There doesn't seem to be much life on board. Ben, what you're looking at is a ship of death. And that's what I'm going to tell you for right now. Uh, I, I just creeped myself out a little bit. Wow, um, that was great. There's a ship of death coming towards you. Uh, let's let's rewind a little bit and get a little context. Yeah, let's, let's rewind. So I was spellbound, man. Casey, did you like that? 
I was wrapped with attention over here. Yeah. Casey on the case. That was great. Uh, so yes, let's let's step back just a just a tad here. Yeah, why are why are we why are we talking about Norway now? And and mm. when are we talking about? Right. Why and when? Two very important questions How, for this who, show. Whom? Mm-hmm. Wherefore? So whence? Whence? <laughs> whither? I'm going to toss them all to to you. Man. Oh, don't forget whither. I feel like whither. Needs to needs to get whither the point of this story? <laughs> yes, yes, to the very same Christopher. So we are traveling back to the 14th century to the 1300s. If you are, you know, on some level aware of European history at the time, then you will have heard of the catastrophic, fatal affliction known today as the Black Death. From the years 1346 to 1353, this spread across the European continent. The name only came several centuries later. We we called it the, the Black Death or the Black Plague as a retronym. But Genoese merchant ships brought this plague to Sicily in the early 13. 40s, and no one was quite prepared for the magnitude of damage that this and, and havoc that this thing would wreak. Yeah, I mean the it, the the bubonic plague, as it's more technically known, because mm-hmm. uh, you know one of the symptoms are, are these buboes or growths that uh, that infected people get, and it's just got such a magnificently high mortality rate. Um, and when a, a human contracts a disease, you have about a couple days for it to show up, a couple days of symptoms, and then you die. It's it's a miserable, miserable way to go. Um, the plague and the time we're talking about it in the middle of the 14th century was generally regarded as the first Black Death and Black Plague. Uh, right. Europe, the Middle East, Northern Africa, parts of Western Asia, all kind of experienced different waves. And then there was a bigger um, – Return of the plague in kind of the 1700s, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it it wiped out massive portions of the population. Um, estimates are really hard to come by, and sometimes uh, you know things are inflated. Population counts aren't as accurate, but if you said a third of the population of Europe died it, it, over the span of time, that's pretty pretty right on. Right, right, yeah. Nowadays, we can reasonably guess that this was caused by a bacterium called Yersinia pestis. Uh, This resulted in several different forms of plague. And our best guess for the origin point of this affliction is somewhere in Central Asia, in the dry plains of Central Asia, traveling along the Silk Road, reaching Crimea in the as you said, the the mid-14th uh, century, most likely it was, it was carried by not rats, but the fleas living on the rats, technically black rats that traveled on these merchant ships, which was one of the um, most efficacious, if you wanted to spread a disease internationally at this time, spreading it via a merchant ship, is is brilliant. You could not have planned it better if you were trying to. You know, so there's this um, concept of of rats being plague bearers and mm. carrying this pestilence. But I believe 
and our, our good friends at HowStuffWorks.com may have dug into this in the past. Uh, there's something is ringing a bell in my deep in my memory that there's been some research done that it was actually not rats that originated the the uh, the Black Plague, kind of rodent zero, if you uh-huh. will. But it was more something like a squirrel or a chipmunk or something much cuter, but still more sinister. Yeah. Okay. That, you know what? I could see that because the flea would probably not discriminate and. A lot of uh, – historically, a lot of human uh, leisure time has been spent vilifying rats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what I will do is I will dig into the archives at HowStuffWorks.com. Mm-hmm. And um, when I figure that out, I will share that on Ridiculous Historians, the Facebook group for this podcast that you're listening to right now. If you guys are not on Facebook, uh, let me just switch from uh, death and disease mode to promotional and social media mode. Point your machines over towards Facebook and look at Ridiculous Historians. You can chat with Ben. You can chat with Noel. Casey's there. Sometimes I'm around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was just sharing info about stories. But I will post a link to that story uh, over there on the site. Thank you so much, Christopher. Trying, I, to, trying to find some light in this uh, this grim, grim tale. This is a very grim, grim tale. And we know that the disease itself appears to be ancient. We have some fairly compelling arguments that it hit parts of the world and the human population way before the 1300s uh, in How Stuff Works by our own, in an article by our own Tracy Wilson, good friend of ours, good friend of the show, one of the hosts of Stuff You Missed in History class. Uh, in her work on How Stuff Works, she notes that Justinian's plague from 542 to 546 AD uh, was thought to be uh, one of the pandemics caused by, you know, the the bubonic plague or the black plague. As you said, Christopher, this thing, when it strikes, strikes hard, it strikes fast. It doesn't tick all the boxes for a perfect disease because a perfect disease would hopefully have a longer gestation rate uh, such that it allows for more infections. And this thing was knocking people down left and right. So we mentioned Norway, right? When we mention Norway, we need to talk a little bit about the cycle of infection for this disease. So plague was spread considerable distances by these rats on these ships. And the first thing you would think is, well, how long does a rat live in the wild? How long does a rat live running for its life? in a ship, right, where it's probably going to be maybe tolerated but killed if if the opportunity yeah, presents. Sw- swept overboard, um, mm-hmm. tossed in a bag. Uh, eaten. Yeah, eaten. Worse comes to worse. So these rats would and did die at a pretty high rate. Right. I mean, they had plague. They had, they had the plague. <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. Uh, but their fleas would survive, and they would find new rat hosts wherever they landed, because docks were dirty, filthy places that were home to uh, lots of, like, rats and, and uh, insects and other animals. A lot of things for all of those things to eat. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And and those rats would die. Um, but then the fleas who lived on them didn't necessarily die. And they needed a new place to live. And when you're on a ship, if you don't have the rats to live on, who are you going to jump to? 
people, whatever yeah. the next warm mammal is. Yeah, you and me and old Swabby over there on, on Oh, your the pony deck. from the previous episode? My, my <laughs> pony's name is not Swabby. My pony does not um, swab the deck. Although, you know what? Actually, maybe she does. I think if we could train a pony to tie a mop to her tail and mm-hmm. swab decks uh, and avoid the plague, I'm, okay. down, I'm down with that. All right, let's let's uh, let's listeners. Put a if pin you don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> and if this is your first episode of Ridiculous History, uh, <laughs> go check out last um, our most previous episode where we talked about something a little more lighthearted than boils and pustules and death. Uh, where we talked about ponies and princesses. Mm-hmm. It was a little more fun. Yes, a lot more fun. It's all, no, it's always fun being here with you, Ben and Casey. Uh, thanks, man. And Noel, of course, is here in spirit. Uh, he but is, he doesn't have to deal with boils and pustules and black death and rats and fleas and scratching and itching and bleeding and creepy know. ghost uh, ships. I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he might be. No, Noel's idea of a vacation is very different than mine, I have found over the years. <laughs> that's quite true. Uh, so speaking of what we could call Noel's idea of a vacation— The bubonic plague, uh, at least at the time of this particular wave of plague, this particular pandemic, people didn't have, for instance, germ theory, the idea of washing one's hands, the idea that infections could be carried by a life form as small as to be invisible to the naked eye. It It was an alien concept, you know, and a lot of what we would consider medical treatment at this time was fundamentally in, intertwined with religious belief. That's true. But while the specifics of transmission of bubonic plague weren't known to people at the time, there was knowledge that that people would transmit it from person to person, perhaps from animal to person, not knowing how, but knowing that it did happen. And so word of plague spread before plague itself spread necessarily. And so a lot of these communities, especially the the merchant marine communities, the ones mm-hmm. on the on the coast, put in place um, safeguards. So they knew that an infected person could spread plague to another infected person. So if we're back in in Norway, um, you know they they essentially established offshore quarantines, where if a ship is coming in to trade goods, you couldn't just bring the ship into harbor and. Uh, and have no control over who or what gets off board. You mm-hmm. would have to stay a little bit off offshore, and um, only uninfected sailors or crewmen could then come into town. And this was a way of uh, of these cities, which are in pretty remote places, remaining plague-free and trying to protect themselves and putting in place as much as they could uh, preventative measures to keep their population safe. And it totally worked when a ship that had, let's say, half the crew had plague, they wouldn't c- come into the shore. They would mm-hmm. stop, and the ones without plague would come in and do the trading. Everything was working fine. Ideally. Ideally. Right. And that worked fine when a few of the crew members had plague. It worked fine when some of the crew members had plague, or even many of the crew members had plague. It did not work so well when everybody died. Right. Right, and this this is where our story takes the turn to Norway. 
Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. In 1349, an English merchant ship carrying wool set out northward. They were, they were bound for the north, and along the way, they realized they had lost the lottery of disease, and crew members were getting the plague. They didn't all die at once, but they were dying one by one, and not being dummies themselves, the people who were surviving or who had not yet contracted the plague attempted to quarantine the sick. They said, these people have the plague. Again, they don't know that it's carried by these parasites on these uh, these smaller creatures uh, or on these parasites, uh, these fleas that are probably on all of them to some degree. So they try to quarantine the people who are ill. And... It doesn't work. They're a buck short and a day late. I mean, that's the thing. It When everyone on the ship dies, you have no control over what happens to the ship. And so, you know, let's, let's go back to the way we started this show. We have this looming, hulking, empty vessel, somewhat devoid of human life, but teeming with rats. The rats still have fleas on them. There's still plague on them. And 
So we're we're near the town of Bergen in Norway. Uh, mm-hmm. Normally, this would have been, you know, not a great situation, but they would have dealt with it. But um, no, this ship had a completely dead crew, and just it ran aground. It crashed, which is such an unfortunate lottery to win because it could have also plausibly just drifted off into the sea and then sank in rough water. The very last living person aboard could have could have thrown down an anchor. And, or scuttled it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But didn't. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's literally a ship of death. Um, and that, you know, there's not too much ridiculous about this history today. But that to me is a is, – it touches on the verge of the absurd in that it's, it's so scary – so cinematic and terrifying to have a, a literal ship of death going to the the frosty north, um, where uh, I, I, it also seems like sort of a, a death metal kind of way to go. Yeah, um, you know, and, and that music is super popular up in those parts. Um, but to have this, yeah, just a, a ship of death crashing into your town, despite all your preventative measures and everything you've tried to do to save your town from plague. Um, Ship of Death's going to get you. The Ship of Death's going to get you. To the tune of the rhythm is going to get you. I think our syllables are slightly off, but the gist is there. And this is a terrifying moment. I think that's why Casey and I both felt so... Um, enthralled when you were when you were painting that image for us at the beginning, because this, like most of the scariest of stories, is a true story. And when we say that it ran aground in Bergen Harbor, we don't mean that it just infected the people of Bergen Harbor. Uh, Contemporary accounts, although exaggerated, seem to indicate that around a third of the population of Norway died. And the thing with, you know, I think you made a tremendous point about how much margin of error we have with any kind of population estimate or death toll estimate for uh, things that occurred at this point in time in history. Uh, Despite that, you have to admit that even if it was just 20%, it's still one out of every five people dying. It's a lot of people. So it's more than one out of every five, uh, possibly around one out of every three people died because this one ship washed up in this one place, and it didn't stop there, did it? Because it expanded beyond Norway. Yeah, it, it just all over. And what this really reminds me of is, um, you know, in uh, any zombie film or TV show where the people have – taken all the safeguards they can. They've holed up inside of a, a safe house, right? And then someone makes a fatal mistake. One bite comes through, and then that's it. Then that's it. things crumble from there. So um, all the, the the Walking Dead and and <laughs> all those series and shows, there may be something to it. That's, that's, how, that's how society crumbles, perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, not with a bang, but with a whimper. And here's another thing. This plague... This catastrophe affected Norway in more ways than one. It did not just kill one-fifth to one-third of the population. It made a fundamental impact on their culture and folklore, which remains in the modern day. Yeah, this is not a story just about um, 
corpses and people dying. I mean, the the experience of the Black Death and the Black Plague really manifests itself not just with a death count, but in the culture, in the story of Pesta, the witch. Pesta, as listeners may guess for themselves rightly, is you know related to the terms of pestilence and pestule, pustules. But and not pesto. Uh, that's I, everything <laughs> that I just thought because of what you just said is disgusting to me. <laughs> And disgusting <laughs> to everyone. So, yeah, but um, I had to do it. I'm yeah, sorry. no. So Pesta, right? So yeah. pe- Pesta is in Norwegian folklore um, this witch, a, a harbinger of doom and death. She's the embodiment of the plague, but she's not an embodiment of complete annihilation, right? Because the plague mm-hmm. didn't kill everyone. So what what do we know about the the story of Pesta and who she is, and what happens if you encounter her on a, a dark and gloomy Norwegian road? Oh, yes. Check this out, Christopher. I I love the way you're differentiating, too, between pestilence and straight death, right? They're two very different but related things. Yeah. In in this case, they're usually, you know, (laughs) that Venn diagram is almost just a circle. But um, Yes. Yeah, yeah. But it's not always that way. It's not always that way, but it's a tremendously unfortunate occurrence to encounter Pesta. You see, Pesta travels from one village to the next She has a broomstick, but she's also doubled down. She possesses a rake. If you happen upon the witch Pesta with her rake, then you know she will spare some of the people in your community. But if she begins sweeping with her broomstick, there's no point in running. You're dead. And so is everyone around you. Yeah, that's the thing. So Pesta, the embodiment, not just of death, but the embodiment of this specific type of death linked to this illness. If she rakes through your community, those those claws will tear up your loved ones, your neighbors. But there are gaps between the teeth of a rake, and some people will make it their way through. But if she's sweeping with a broom, you're all done for. And it's just a it's a it's a really creepy really kind of terrifying embodiment of of this experience to mm-hmm. to think that it's not just um not just something that happens but that there's some will behind it that there's this terrifying woman in a deep red skirt who will uh just clean the earth as she sees fit mm-hmm. um and you and your friends and neighbors have little to do with uh with the way things turn out and there's a fatalism there as well you know, because your odds of survival are already very, very low. The best you can hope is that some survive. Uh, I do want to point out one myth-busting thing here. Let's do it. That may be of interest to many of us listening. You know those really cool masks that they always show the doctors wearing? Yeah, they they show up in like um, in you know Brazilian Carnival and mm-hmm. in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and then uh, also in the the sci-fi remake of the Twelve Monkeys uh, series. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the those pestilence masks. The the way that they're depicted uh, is is this: the concept being before they were totally taken over by goth kids uh, in this country. The concept was that the uh, people wearing them were protecting themselves from exposure to diseased bodies and that that long bird bill snout-looking thing is uh, actually a container for herbs and that the herbs would be ignited sometimes and that they would gently burn. And the the mask you're talking about has got that sort of conical, long proboscis that's sort of like 
creepy bird, mm-hmm. uh, Ibis, Egyptian god mm-hmm. kind of vibe going on. Right, right, right. Some sort of uh, abstract attempt at rendering an anteater. So there's a there's a myth about that? Is that is that not a thing? Uh, there's no concrete evidence that people in the 14th century were wearing these. And medical huh. historians were wearing these at the time. And medical historians will say that they were not invented until 300 years later when a 16th century French doctor named Charles Delorme designed what could be described as one of the world's earliest hazmat suits. So it did occur in response to the plague, but in a later wave of the plague. Okay. That's the other myth that I think we we busted pretty effectively. There was not just one black death. It was, no, no. Things just kept being terrible. Great. <laughs> Great. I don't, I, we don't have to end it that way. Uh, no, let, let's, yeah. let's talk about some good news. Yeah. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I don't know how much good news this is, but uh, Ben, let me ask you. You seem like the kind of person who likes all of these things. Do you like um, swimsuit models? I, uh, I like in general. Yeah, I'm, in general. Yeah, sure. Swimsuit I'm not models. A, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to uh, swimsuits or people modeling. Okay. Do you? How do you feel about um, European men in uh, flashy cravats? I'm in. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, not opposed to either of okay. these things. Okay. What about uh, zombified Knights Templar? I mean, if I have to choose between the three, I'm going with number three. Uh, what if you, what if I told you, uh-huh. Ben, Ben Boland, that you could, in one film, have all three of those? <laughs> I would say thank you for saving my weekend, <laughs> Christopher Hasiotis. All right. 1974's film The Ghost Galleon is a film that I want to put on your radar then. Mm-hmm. It's a Spanish movie. It's not 
great. <laughs> I don't know that it's even good, but it's really enjoyable. It's uh, um, in Spanish, it's called El Buque Maldito, which means like the the you know the the damned vessel or the ship of the damned. Yeah. Uh, but in English, it's the ghost galleon. It's really campy, but it's got a lot of zombie knights templar who um, there are these there are these two swimsuit models who just. See a ghost ship off the coast and decide to, uh, hey, let's go see what's on that ghost ship. Um, the answer is zombies. So, oh. yeah, zombie, zombified Knights Templar who have come back from, um, I, I guess, crusading. Uh, and then there's like some real, like, flashy dudes wearing ascots and trying to punch skeletons. Um, this is another thing I will share with the Facebook community group. I will put the trailer for the Ghost Galleon up yes. for your enjoyment. And you can decide for yourself if you want to dig into the film uh, as a whole. I love it. Uh-huh. I also really love um, low-budget, questionably acted horror from the 70s. Yes, yes, as, as you should. Christopher, thank you for this recommendation. Uh, you beat me to the punch. We have to put the trailer up. I'm actually I'm going to watch this after uh, after we finish recording today. Uh, I did I did while you were talking about this. I did remember one piece of good news that baffled me. I, I kid you not. This is actual good news okay. from the series of pandemics known collectively as the Black Plague or the bubonic plague. There is a book, which I may have mentioned in previous episodes, by a fellow named Norman Cantor. The name of this book is In the Wake of the Plague. When I first read this book, there's something that Cantor tosses aside in a fairly cavalier fashion. Mm -hmm. And it is that there is compelling evidence that the evolutionary pressure of the Black Plague led to the HIV-resistant genes that exist in parts of Europe today. Because you remember, uh, we've seen those stories in years past about bone marrow mm-hmm. uh, transplant recipients who also find that their um, that their HIV had their uh, viral load has gone down and then it has disappeared. It appears that there is compelling evidence, while not a hundred percent. There's compelling evidence that the same infection and disease that killed so many people in Europe, uh, Eurasia, and beyond may have made us more resistant to HIV and ultimately AIDS. Oh, that's fascinating. And yeah, there there are myriad ways you can look at a terrible, terrible instance um, in history like the, like the Black Death and glom some sort of positive from it. I mean, that that is a wonderful thing and – not the sort of thing you you would ever expect, but it's the way history unfolds. I mean, there are a number of other things attributed to the Black Death and kind of what society had to do afterwards. There's an idea that a lot of the smaller universities around Europe mm-hmm. really developed because people didn't want to travel when they went to school. Because the more the more you travel, the more you risk coming across people who had plague. So more schools had or more communities had to develop their own local um, universities and colleges. And so that led to some education. Uh, It is also credited with perhaps popularizing English across the continent. The idea was that so many learned monks and scholars passed away because of Black Death that more people who spoke the the vulgar tongues, uh, your German, your English, 
they had to assume those positions of power in universities in higher learning, and so English became more widespread. It's the same idea why the printing press had to be invented because so many monks died, they didn't have enough people to hand copy Bibles. So they needed to find a way to kind of adapt to a situation where where you've lost a significant portion of your population. Um, You know, whether you can say it's a one-to-one causal relationship is a little tricky, but these are some theories that are out there, and I think they're pretty interesting. That's fascinating, and it feels like we are on the verge of a completely new conversation, uh, the upsides of terrible events throughout world history. Uh, that that may be an episode for another day, but for now, why don't we throw it to you, fellow ridiculous historians? What are some of the unintended uh, how did we put it, silver linings of, yeah. of terrible events throughout human history. Um, we, I think we illustrated just a couple with the, with the Black Plague to keep uh, what may indeed be our most death metal of episodes <laughs> uh, from being completely uh, grimy and grim. But let us know. You can visit us on Facebook, as you said, Christopher, at our uh, community page, Ridiculous Historians. You can see Casey, Noel, Christopher Hasiotis himself and yours truly uh, dropping in to to field questions, to to check out and share some of the amazing stories throughout our species collective adventures. Let's see, what else? In the meantime. In the meantime, I, I have a question for any listeners here who, uh, who happen to be mm, around about northern Wales, uh, maybe over near Liverpool. I read about a ship of death that they've got going on right there. It just launched. Apparently, for the past 30 years, there's been a ship called the Duke of Lancaster, mm. which was uh, kind of run aground and abandoned near, a, I think the town is called Holwell or Holywell in Wales, northern Wales. And there's this company who kind of, I think is comparable to like escape rooms here in the U.S. And they kind of put on those haunted houses. But they've turned this ship into a ship of death, and uh, you can kind of go on there and experience a zombie attack on the ship. What? Uh, yeah, I just read it. I read. I remember reading about this at the end of 2018, and apparently, this is a thing that has opened in this year, uh, 2019. Um, zombie infection is, I believe, the uh, the company. Not not that we're giving props or, or speaking to their merit, but if anyone's listening who is in kind of like around the corner from Liverpool, and you've been on this ship of death. Or you want to go on the ship of death and report back, I'd like to hear about it. Me too. Sign me up. I, I want to hear if it lives up to the hype. You can tell us about that on the aforementioned Ridiculous Historians Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. Uh, you can find uh, my pal Noel on Instagram. He's at Embryonic Insider. You can find me on Instagram as well. Follow my adventures as I get kicked into and out of various countries at Ben Bolin. Uh, in the meantime, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much, as always, to super producer Casey Pegram. Uh, I know we can't see it because it's an audio podcast. And Casey, I know you can't see me do this because there's a barrier between us. But every time I say your name, I like to throw my right arm wide in a, in a, a grand gesture towards you, sir. Uh, <laughs> We'd also like to thank Alex Williams, who composed our track. Uh, As always, thanks to Noel Brown. And thanks to you 
Christopher Ahasiotis. You know, I, I know after we uh, after we did our Grifter episode, you had me questioning everything. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm still going to stick with the alias you provided when we met all those years ago. Remain questioning. It's good to be a skeptic. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been really really nice talking about the end of so many people's lives. We'll see you again soon. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.